Hey everyone, welcome back to the BME Grad Podcast. I'm Allie and my co-host is Brian. A couple quick notes after today, we have two more episodes we're looking forward to to wrap season two. As always, we appreciate a follow, subscribe, rate, or review. That helps more folks like you find our show. And also, thank you so much to all of you that have reached out so far. It's great to hear what you like about the show. That helps us know what's going well and confirms we're doing what we set out to do. Okay, getting into today's episode, our guest joining us is Allie Story. Allie is a biomedical engineer at Carolina Bio-Oncology Institute. And I think the first person with the actual biomedical engineer job title we've had on our show. Carolina Bio-Oncology Institute is a cancer therapy and research center that focuses on early phase immunotherapy trials. And Allie wears a lot of different hats in working there. I'll let you hear from her on the interview. Please enjoy this interview with Allie Story. Hey, Allie, welcome to the BME Grad Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Allie, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It sounds funny to hear, hey, Allie, echoed back at me, but um, this, yeah, that's just <laughs> funny for me to hear. <laughs> Allie and I went to undergrad together, and Allie's currently a biomedical engineer at the Carolina Bio-Oncology Institute, and she's held a couple other roles since. Ali, if you wouldn't mind, it'd be great to hear a little bit about your current company and role and, and what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. So as Alex said right now, I'm at Carolina Bio-Oncology Institute, and we are a small private um, cancer research clinic. So we see patients in-house, and those are only stage four cancer patients, um, and we dose phase one clinical trials. And a lot of the times we're one of the first sites or only sites in the United States to get a lot of um, phase one clinical trials. So the oncologist that I work for, him and his practice are really well known, um, which is really cool. And it's just super great to be, you know, involved with somewhere where not many people can get the phase one trial anywhere else. Um, but so we do that and then on top of that, we also have our own in-house research. So we are focused on making our own immunotherapy. Um, so our goal would be to eventually have a line, a pipeline of um, different um, cell therapies that can treat people's cancer. And so the whole model around it, the oncologist's vision is to be able to do everything under one roof, which would be something that no one's really ever done before. Um, so we, we would, since we have the capacity to see patients there, we would be able to um, take their blood and take their immune cells and then reinvigorate them and give them all back to them within a couple of weeks or months, however long it takes um, to get their cells ready to go back into them. So that's what the company is as a whole. And then a little bit more about what I do specifically. So I'm um, the biomedical engineer there. And so I kind with us being small and a um, kind of, you could say, startup, the practice itself has been around a long time, but we're really in like the startup phase of our own biotechnology and our cell therapy. So with that being said, like, I get to do a lot more, you know, than I probably would in a really big company where everything is already established. Um, so 
I manage kind of all of the equipment and everything that goes around the equipment for um, like the whole clinic and the laboratory side. And then I work with our um, scientists on our immunotherapy pipeline. And then I'm also um, kind of being the project manager, I guess you would say, of um, our GMP space, which is our good manufacturing practices space. So for whenever we do have our own cell therapy and we're able to dose that at um, a commercial level, then we need a facility that we can do that. And so we're also um, going to be open to doing contract manufacturing. So other places that are um, developing their own therapies but don't have a facility to manufacture it or the patient base to be able to get it to them, we can do all that here. So it'll be like studies can ship us their therapies and we can um, do everything in-house. So I kind of manage the, um, I guess you would say like the manufacturing side of things because I have, um, in my previous job, I have GMP manufacturing experience, gene therapy company. So I'm really helping us like bring all of the documentation and everything to life for that GMP manufacturing space. So we will do everything for our own um, therapy in-house, but we also, like the facility um, that we built, we have five clean rooms. So we're actually able to host, um, we'll, we'll be able to contract manufacture for people as well. So before Carolina Bio-Oncology, you were at Avexis as a bioprocess engineer. Did you do things there that kind of built upon your foundational knowledge to make you this asset at, at Carolina Bio-Oncology, or um, was it a complete shift? Can you talk to that a little bit, like that role and what you did there and how it transitioned into what you do now? So at Avexis, I was a bioprocess engineer, and that was in manufacturing. So um, Avexis is a gene therapy company, and their number one um, therapy was for spinal muscular atrophy. It was the first cure for spinal muscular atrophy, um, and so the product was already established, so it was already FDA approved when I got a job there, um, and it was building, they were actually in the middle of building the site in North Carolina. They started in um, Illinois, and so they were building a manufacturing site in North Carolina, um, and so we were, I got to go through kind of the startup phase of that as well, but, you know, startup phase of something that already has a FDA-approved drug is way different than a startup of something that is trying to get something, just get an IND approved and get into a phase one clinical trial. Um, so with that, um, my time at Avexis, once we got our site and everything up and ready to go in North Carolina, I was more along the lines of in manufacturing where, um, you know, actually making the gene therapy um, every day. And so a lot of that knowledge that I have from being in manufacturing in a gene therapy company is what really helped me be successful in what I do now um, at Carolina Bio-Oncology because, like I said, we're trying to start up our GMP manufacturing space, which we would like to be able to host 
um, other um, manufacturing. So we would be a CDMO, and then we would also, you know, need that space for when we have our own immunotherapy. So my background and knowledge of knowing how everything works and um, writing documentation and doing things for an already approved gene therapy um, really helped, is helping me have that foundation for applying that to our company because cell therapy and gene therapy in a lot of ways um, they're different, but they're the same, and a lot of it kind of tailors to the same FDA regulations. Um, so I'm being able to use that in, you know, the starting up of our GMP space and writing a lot, a lot of um, standard operating procedures and um, everything that we need kind of to get established validation plans um, for using that space. Yeah, sounds like a nice fit into into what you do now and probably makes you like a real asset to kind of stand alone and doing that for your current company. When you say you're working on the immunotherapy pipeline, uh, what does that task entail? Um, yeah, so our scientists right now, we have one um, main scientist and we are looking to hire another one um, fairly shortly. Um, but he's the one, you know, that does all of the discovery work and um, kind of determining what we want to test. Um, but then as far as actually doing the testing in the lab, um, I help out with that. So I help out with any of the projects that are um, that go on in the lab that are related to the immunotherapy. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of cell culture work and then once we kind of get to a point where we're happy with the small scale cell culture, um, I'm involved in, you know, taking that to a more large scale and kind of process development and what um, equipment is going to be the best um, process or what's going to work the best for um, this particular product. Okay. That's interesting. Cool. So, I wanted to ask when you were telling me a bit about Carolina Bio-Oncology Institute, when you said that you carry out phase one clinical trials for stage four cancer, are you, so like, let's say there's a clinical trial going on. Are you the only site to administer a certain clinical trial? Like, for example, can a clinical trial be happening in multiple locations or do you guys kind of handle one one or more trials at a time and no other sites are handling them? So that's a really good question and it depends on the trial or the study. Um, a lot of times we are the only one in the United States. If it's um, in other parts of the world, then there could be, for example, um, one study I know of is we're the main site, we're the only site in the United States and then they also have a site in Australia. But then you have some studies that are larger studies and they host them at multiple sites, even in the United States. And we host hundreds at a time. So we have that unique ability to be able to, when a patient gets um, sent to us or comes to us, um, the first thing, you know, um, the doctor does is sits down with them and goes through all of their history and he's able to based on those phase one clinical trials that we're hosting at the time he can go through them 
and decide, you know, which are going to be the top three that are going to work best or suit you best and kind of give the patient a choice. I mean, that sounds amazing that you're able to do that for patients. How much, like what types of cancer is being treated there? Is it kind of like everything under the sun or do y'all specialize in certain focus areas? So we see a little bit of everything and we definitely don't specialize in any area, but I would say we have um, stronger cohorts of populations. And I think, you know, part of that could be the area we are in North Carolina, um, different populations of where you see more cancer types than others, but our um, strongest population is colorectal cancer and pancreatic cancer. But we do see a little bit of everything. We have quite a few breast cancer patients, um, melanoma. So we, we definitely don't, it's not a specialized treatment where we would only be able to treat one type of cancer. Good to know. Are you, are you interacting with these patients at all? Me, personally, yeah. I don't. Um, it, it's very minimal interaction. The only interaction the, like, the science and the lab side has is if we are um, having a leukapheresis that day where we are collecting their um, immune cells, then we will go to the patient, you know, in the infusion room and we'll be the one to collect it directly off um, the machine. But other than that, like, we're not really interacting with the patients. We have, that's the other half of our clinic. So we have a full, you know, nursing staff, and then we have clinical research coordinators. So they're the ones that actually um, handle everything from a patient base. Okay, gotcha. How many patients do y'all see on like a regular basis? And and how do those patients come to you? Like, do they have to get referred or can they approach you on their own? They do not have to get referred. We do get a lot of referrals, but they don't have to be referred. They can come to us on our own. Um, the only, you know, caveat is it's not that they can't come to us, but in order to go on a phase one clinical trial, they have to be a stage four cancer patient and they've had to have gone through the standard regimens of chemotherapy. And they basically have to be at a point where, you know, the chemo didn't work and this is like the last kind of line of, okay, let's try a clinical trial. Um, so that's kind of like, they can't just come if they're not um, stage four or um, kind of at the last leg. Like, I know that sounds really bad, um, but unfortunately, that's our healthcare world, and, you know, insurance isn't going to cover it. Um, so that's a little bit tricky, but, you know, the ultimate goal um, for our company is to, you know, see this through to where we can be able to offer it to cancer patients way before they ever get to stage four. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they like just kind of putting standard treatment first before y'all are able to run clinical trials. Although I see like how that could be like very unfortunate when um, trials look promising. Right. And then the to answer your question about how many patients we see, um, it really depends week to week and month to month how many we see. I would say we see an average of four to six new patients per week. But then on top of that, we have our 
patients that are already on a trial or on a study, they come in for, you know, if they're getting another dose or we have with trials and studies, you have to do a lot of monitoring and a lot of, um, you know, blood count checks and all different kinds of checks to make sure that the drug is like not toxic and everything is going um, smoothly and as it should. So any patient that's on a study or trial, um, they come in on a very frequent basis. So we have our standard visits and people that are already on study, and then we have our new patients as well. Can you share a little bit about what immunotherapies uh, you currently have in the pipeline? We are really tailored towards, um, we have a couple in the works right now, but our, we are going to have, so there's different fractions um, within our immune cells. So I'm not sure, you know, it may be kind of more sciencey talk um, than some people may have the background for, but, you know, we don't just have red and white blood cells. Within our white blood cells, we have a lot of different types of immune cells that are all working and trying to fight off infection and diseases. And the crazy thing about, you know, um, cancer and tumors is that they are very, very sneaky and they can get around um, our normal immune cells. And so our immune cells don't really know how to fight them off a lot of the time. And so different cancers um, and different people's bodies, it could be a different um, population or subpopulation um, of the immune cells that's going to be most effective. So we want to be able to have kind of a line of different immune cell fractions so that if something is more helpful or beneficial for one type of tumor than it is another type of tumor, then we'll be able to kind of provide all of that. So one of ours is going to be focused around a natural killer cell, whereas one will be focused around um, a standard T cell. Um, so those are kind of the basics of it, but I can't go into, you know, the depths of, you know, what the actual um, therapy will consist of within that, like, subpopulation. Yeah, of course. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing. So our BME program that we came from was like heavily skewed towards med device at the time. I think the curriculum has changed since to like include a little bit more pharma and biotech, but coming off the program, I know you had an internship um, in medical devices as well. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I did a summer internship. when I was a junior, and then I actually stayed working there throughout senior year. Okay, awesome. So given like all of that med device background, like how did you get into pharma biotech? Um, And like, were you excited about that change? Or was it kind of just a change you went through with and then learned to like? Um, Yeah, just it'd be great to talk a little bit to that. I don't think we really focused on that topic on the show and it is a bit of a leap into the unknown so i'd love to hear kind of like what motivated it and um the adjustment period of how that was yeah absolutely um so it's honestly kind of crazy because like you said our entire kind of program and undergrad is very very focused towards med devices and then i even did an internship that was focused around med devices Um, And I honestly would always say, if you ask me in college, you know, I would be like, 
I don't want anything to do with like the pharmaceutical world or biotech. Like I really want to stay in med devices. And um, that was just kind of where I was focused. And I kind of pigeonholed myself, right? And I was like, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be in pharmaceuticals. But then when I started just being like, very honest when I started applying for jobs um, senior year of college I was having a lot of trouble kind of finding what I was really looking for and I feel like I was just being like very very narrow in my selections if I had this like perfect idealized job of what I wanted and I wasn't finding that and so when I started you know kind of broadening things I was finding all of these jobs because kind of at that time, it's a lot more now than then, but even it was starting then, like we're having all of these biotech companies, um, especially different kinds of gene and cell therapy companies that are moving or building manufacturing sites in RTP. And so I was kind of, you know, quickly learning that that was going to become a huge part of North Carolina. And I was you know, realizing that med devices weren't necessarily um, making the shift towards North Carolina. And for me, I was born and raised in North Carolina, and I don't intend, you know, on leaving North Carolina. So I was also kind of putting myself in that, well, I don't want to move to Boston or somewhere just to take a job. Um, So that was kind of one of the biggest reasons for me of why I initially took the job and I was really nervous about it at first like I felt like I was going to have you know no idea what I was doing because when I was an undergrad while there were you know some electives that you could do um, that were more focused towards biotech or like even doing research in college like I didn't do any of that so I really didn't have um, the background that I thought I would need but then once I got into it I loved it and it's just like kind of a whole nother world, but you can still apply so many things that you learn in biomedical engineering to biotech and pharma. Like there's so much more to biomedical engineering than just what people think of with your standard working on medical devices or making medical devices um, and implants and stuff like that. So that's what, you know, got me started in it. And then once I was in it, I kind of fell in love with it, and now I I really don't foresee myself leaving the biotech and pharmaceutical world. I've noticed the same. I noticed the same thing when I was applying to jobs. Like a lot more pharma biotech options were popping up, um, and it was I I didn't go into med device directly. I went into something completely different. But um, it's interesting that you kind of just like took the leap and went for it. And I feel like a lot of folks did that. And it'll be interesting to see like how the bubbling up surrounding industry changes the curriculum at some of the local schools as well. Oh, yes, I agree. I think there's so many ways to be an engineer in um, biotechnology and, you know, developing different therapies and things like that takes a lot more, you know, than just science and that is involved in going into all that. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how, you know, maybe the curriculum shifts towards focusing more on learning more of that biology and chemistry too. Because I know like for me, when I was in school, 
like the biology and chemistry classes were hard. So I wasn't going to sign up to take anything extra than what was required of me. <laughs> but now, like looking back, I think it would have been really helpful to take some of those courses because what I do now is working completely with cell biology and chemistry. And like, like I said, like I didn't take those classes those classes in college. So I think that like knowledge would have been really beneficial for me. Yeah, and the curriculum's already shifting. So I'm sure that the students today will get that that benefit out of it as well. One last question for you, Allie, and thank you so much for your time. Um, I want to ask one final question, just given what you do and how impactful I'm sure this is for patients and just like cancer treatment at large. What do you love about your job? Honestly, of things I love about my job. I think, you know, one of the most important things is, you know, the impact factor that it does have. Um, like, I know what we're working on means a lot um, to the patients, to the families, and I know, like, it's been, you know, it's, it's not easy, and it's been a work in progress for a very long time, and I think it's really satisfying to see, you know, not only who I work for, but all of these other places coming out with things that are being approved by the FDA and getting to phase one clinical trials because, you know, that didn't happen 15 years ago. And so I think that is really satisfying knowing that, you know, people are figuring it out and it's going to work. It's not just like, um, you know, shooting, you know, stars at something where you are just like kind of hoping it works it's like no like people are actually figuring this out we know it's going to work and you know my like job itself like i just love the aspect of really being in a small um like startup company because like i said like every day is different and i'm constantly learning and growing and like i love that about it i love learning every day um and I think it's really beneficial getting to do, you know, a lot of other things on top of what your job description might say you do, because that can be really, really useful down the line when you've had, um, you know, different knowledges and experiences all just from um, one job because you're a small startup company and it takes everyone to do everything because, you know, you don't have the hundred employees where you can just really stick to, you know, what you are supposed to do based on, you know, what your job says you do. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of have it all like a real purpose driven feel and like an interesting day to day and then the opportunity to kind of learn and develop long term. So that's awesome. Yes, absolutely. It definitely definitely makes a difference when, you know, you have you have excitement about going into work every day. It's not like dreading um, what you have to do today because, I mean, you know at the end of the day that everything you're doing, even though it may feel really small in that day and at that time, like every little bit of work has purpose and it's, it's going somewhere and it's going to be worth it. So that's just, it's definitely um, satisfying and rewarding. Yes, it's so energizing and I feel like it's just something you know when you feel it like that at like Sunday night you're like I'm kind of hyped for tomorrow and that's like a good feeling. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, Ali, thank you so much for sharing and for the time. Um, it's great to hear about what you're doing now and kind of the journey you took along the way. So uh, thanks for being so open and, and coming on the show today. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much again for having me. I'm really excited that um, I was able to help and be here. And as always, you can find more information on us, listening platforms, and links to all our social at the BMBgradpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.